I'll tell you the great thing about fighting in a junkyard or abandoned factory or whatever. There's just a ton of stuff to use as a weapon. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't there be barrels or, like, sticks with spikes all over them or other things that you could smash <laughs> yeah. somebody with? Your standard factory apparatus uh, stick loaded with spikes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been at least a dozen where I've found one and then just fought somebody to the death with it because that's yeah. basically what happens in this movie. There are combat zones for sure. Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper. I'm Nolan. And today we are discussing a just almost indescribable bit of 80s like regional filmmaking. Uh, <laughs> a treasure some might call it. Yeah, this is a Florida produced 80s kung fu movie. I'm sorry, Taekwondo movie, or as they call it in the movie, Taekwondo, uh, which may be the correct pronunciation, I don't even know. <laughs> from, <laughs> from a man named YK Kim. We're talking about Miami Connection. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect. I mean, you shared a little bit with me about this uh, last week before we headed off, and I was excited to to see what this is because I love kung fu movies and I love fucking rock music, right? Yeah. So, like, combining those two things together in an action movie that takes place in Central Florida, how could anything get better? Do you like 80s synth? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I mean, the soundtrack to this is just heavily played, wonderful keyboarding. It, it really is. Yeah, this is a virtuoso keyboard performance by whoever the fuck was responsible. <laughs> That's for true, actually. We yeah. should have looked that up in the credits because they actually did quite a good job with the sound on this. And some boy. original songs composed just for this, I guess. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we are going to be walking through the entirety of this like sub-90-minute 80s masterpiece. It's less than 90. It's about 83, 87. Oh, was it? it, it yeah. I didn't think about time while watching it, so that doesn't surprise me, but uh, yeah. it was pretty glorious. Well, we will uh, we'll cover all of it, but before we do, as always, we've got found a beer to pair with this movie, and what do we have today? Yeah, this is, this is a great connection. I mean, this is the Miami connection, our movie, but we're drinking Florida Man, which, I mean, this movie takes place in Central Florida. It was made in Florida. So this is from the Cigar City Brewing Company, and they're out of Tampa, Florida. Um, they ha started like pretty early in the craft beer scene. They were out in 2009, so they've been making beer for quite a long time. And uh, I'm, sorry, one, I'm just getting into it now. Yeah, just just do it. I mean, uh, I want to get this out of the way. <laughs> they were some early adopters of really powerful flavors, so they made really flavorful beers. And I just want to look at a little bit of this can for you. It says, unpredictable varieties of hops used in nearly criminal volumes. Oh, so this man. sounds amazing to me. It says, this ale brewed to pay tribute to the world's worst superhero, Florida Man. <laughs> and well, you always hear those news stories, right? Florida Man. We can remember Florida Man. Who does whatever impossible shit you can think of. Well, to me, YK Kim is the superhero from Florida because he just is a gem starring in... The Miami Connection. Starring and writing and fucking... He casted the bitch, too. Yeah, His name was on, like, <laughs> ten of the credits. It was so good. This is a real labor of love, and uh, we're going to see if uh, you love this beer. We're pretty sure I won't. It's a double IPA. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's and as soon as I open it up right now, it smells so fucking hoppy. Oh, it smells delicious. Um, Yeah, this is interesting because we haven't watched a lot of, like, one person created and made all the movies right like in the the couple seasons we've had together we haven't gone down the well of somebody's passion project as much i guess the only thing i can think of is in some of our black exploitation films 
Yeah, well, the Rudy Ray Moore movies, of course, yeah. are mainly driven by him. That's a great call by you. Right, and those are obviously some of the hot, most highly rated by us in here, both for content. One of them was a Crit 20. We had yeah. Human Tornado was for me. It was a Crit 20. So, I mean, I'm excited for this. I think that that kind of filmmaking gives a lot of promise to scoring highly on our podcast. Just a maniac with a vision. <laughs> so we gonna <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to look out for some more of those people. I know we've been recommended by some people. Uh, other people who like to make those kind of movies. I think there's a guy out well, of Vegas. Neil Breen. You, were, yes. you, you mentioned Neil yes. Breen like a season and a half ago. We've got to get to that at some point. We've got to do a Neil yeah. Breen episode because I think that would probably place highly in our uh, <laughs> on our scores as well. Well, we will see. But why don't you go ahead and uh, pour yourself some of this Florida, man? Oh, it's open and it's pouring. All right. And in this movie, we open with shots of the Florida coast in an insert that says, Somewhere in Miami. We see two groups of goons with guns and a couple of guys with boxes, and we can tell that some sort of deal is about to go down. Also present at this deal, ninjas, as we see them stealthily moving through the surrounding brush. And at this point, my hopes for this movie are through the roof. <laughs> like, legit. <laughs> so, after watching this, I'm like, okay, so I assume this is happening in Miami, right? They're showing scenes of the beach, and this is where this drug deal is going down. No, Central Florida. Well, no, the movie happens in Central Florida, yeah. but I feel like this drug deal is happening Miami in Miami. is probably how the drugs get into yes. Central Florida. It's very close well, to... Well, and they also show... Wait, is it close to... Not Columbia. I don't know geography. Uh, no, not Colombia. Cuba. It's close to yes, Cuba. But yes. the cocaine's not coming from Cuba, is it? Or is it? No, but it probably comes uh, by water. That's and, a port city. And Miami yeah. is pretty much as close as you can get on the eastern side of Florida to the bottom, right? So that's why maybe it's coming in in that direction. But I was really struggling to understand why it was titled Miami Connection. I think that's because the drugs are coming through Miami. That has to be the connection for this title. I don't know. I guess, but this is the literal only scene in the film that involves Miami. And cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> They've got bags of it. It sure looks a lot like powdered sugar, in my opinion. And uh, after one of the guys confirms that it would, in fact, taste delicious on French toast... It appears they've got a deal, but not so fast as the ninjas strike, first throwing a star right into one guy's neck, which had a bit of a delayed reaction there, and then katanaing a guy right through the forehead. <laughs> the effects <laughs> budget becomes really clear really quickly. The ninja star to the neck, you see it thrown, and there is at least a four-second delay before you hear the sound, and then you get the gushing of the blood coming we, from the Yeah, we neck. cut to the guy with the... Yeah, oh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Now, they use a lot of sound to tell us what's happening in these fights because the actual action itself is comically slow. It's slow, but at the same time, it is great. My oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My favorite part is when one guy with a big lead pipe tries to hold off a ninja with a sword only to get his arm chopped off. And as you pointed out, yeah, every move they make is so fucking slow. Now, the hilarious part about these sort of gangs who were trying to get the drugs into Miami is that they all have Uzis, yet none of them can hit anyone with them. No, they're fighting guys with swords and they can't shoot the guys with swords. The they're guys with swords just chopping off arms and fucking whatever they're holding down the trigger and just praying and spraying literally their guns are like <laughs> firing around and it doesn't get near anyone i don't think anyone in this movie dies from a gunshot yet there must have been a thousand bullets like let off in the movie i'm trying to think now i think you would be right i can't think of anyone getting shot and dying there's a lot of like ninja sword uh kills and whatever so this this whole scene is 
fantastic and hilarious. There's really odd interjection of slow-mos, too, at funny times. Yeah. And and so there's sound effects are going off, strange slow-mos, but basically the ninjas fuck up all of the people trying to transfer the drugs. Oh, yeah, they wipe everyone out, but it turns out they forgot the most important thing, grabbing the money. Now, we don't know who their mysterious leader, who is the guy, only guy wearing white in this ninja outfit, is, but he lectures them about how they need no more mistakes. Now, during this sequence, we also had a biker gang that was seemingly approaching this deal. I thought they were involved in it, but I guess they were actually somewhere else, as they never appear where the ninjas are, but we do see more of them in the opening credits, speeding towards a club that also houses a band that we see performing, a band called Dragon Sound. <laughs> How would you describe Dragon Sound, Noel? Oh my goodness. This intro is interesting. The... Cuts between the bikers, the musicians, and some like martial arts training is really telling for what we're gonna get in this film. Like yeah. they are, I'm I'm it's happy all over this happened because yeah. it's coming out here. <laughs> Dragon Sound is this like fantastic musical outfit. It has a slightly older man who plays Hold on. slightly yeah. older. Yeah. He's a lot older. Are you talking about YKK? Yeah, yeah, YKK. Yeah. He's like at least fifteen years older than everyone yeah. else in the band. So there's a bunch of young guys, and then like from different backgrounds, and we're gonna find out later they're all orphans, and they're. <laughs> <laughs> well, not necessarily. Oh, okay. So yes, they're, they're, <laughs> okay. they're allegedly all orphans. We'll come back to that. Yeah. So. They're all topless, wearing like martial arts pants. The lower half. They've got the lower, the lower half, half of, of martial the arts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're playing guitars, drums, some keyboard, and they are doing martial arts moves while singing some of the sweetest like positive message '80s songs oh you could God, ever imagine. Dude. All of their songs are about being friends forever and or uh, the uh, powers of Taekwondo. And loyalty and yep. honesty and yeah. all of the good things. <laughs> so we've got this like group of orphans playing this music that everyone in the club is fucking killing it They're to. going like, crazy for it, yeah. They're loving it. The message does not fit with all the people doing cocaine and like getting down <laughs> in the club. But you know, it doesn't matter because they're so enthralled with both the martial arts and the positive message that they are rocking out. And there is a woman with them dancing on stage yes we get like a full performance of their song here their lead guitarist by the way you thought he looked jewish he's italian he's basically it's like a combination of freddie mercury and neil sean the lead guitarist from journey <laughs> that's <laughs> he's fair just, yeah he's got a mullet he's got a glorious mustache and he is yeah. really really given he's singing kind of their first song though as well as playing lead guitar he is now that woman you mentioned she is one of the drug dealers sisters She's dancing on stage, and she also shares a kiss with, I think he's the bass player. He's John, right? He is John, What's yes. confusing is she's Jane. The drug dealer's name is Jeff. Yeah, and we also have a Jim. Yeah, Jim, Jim is, is the, the black member of the band. <laughs> <laughs> this is so confusing. It really is. Yeah, as we see in the next scene, uh, Jeff is not happy about Jane dating John. Yeah, I there's there's a point here where they're playing and they kind of end off the gig like saying that they play to win and I just thought it was amazing that the the dragon sound people were doing that but Jeff is pissed. He does not like his sister hanging around this like positive message band. Well, you know what's not positive? Everyone's acting ability. <laughs> They're all terrible actors. How can uh, they be this bad at acting? Jeff is atrocious. It's really funny because clearly none of them have a lot of acting experience, but Jeff, who is sort of like the 
big bad well, of no, this the, movie. The, hang on. The, the white ninja is the big he, bad. Yes, you're right. He is the Jeff all- is that like, he's the second tier. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But Jeff has more screen time than he does. the white ninja. And more lines. Right? Yes. Yeah. And he cannot deliver any of them. Like, it is the most deadpan, least believable line delivery. I think there is. <laughs> he's really bad. There is only maybe one or two scenes in this or performances from others in this that can be worse than Jeff's. And Jeff has a major role. Well, okay. So I think. And again, this was a regional production. This was filmed in Florida, legitimately. YK Kim is from Florida. And I believe they yeah. cast a lot of locals. Well, they would have had to because yeah. they didn't have the budget. I'm you don't sure, often to go hear up. about the legendary uh, acting pedigree that comes out of Florida. No, you know what I mean, no, it's I don't. Really I don't know. There's probably a hot some band. some good Floridian actors and actresses, but there's got to be some. I felt like all of the J's, like anyone with a J name, was a shit actor or actress. <laughs> like it was not going well. Shots fired at Jim. Who is he? <laughs> he's <laughs> fucking terrible. Jim. Oh, he's Jim bad. has the know, worst dramatic really scene in the entire fucking movie. That comes up soon. Yeah, oh but my God. before that, we get a confrontation scene here at the club where the band that got replaced by Dragon Sound gets into the face of the club owner only as we quickly find out he knows taekwondo also at this point i'm assuming this scene is a setup for something that will happen later but there is zero payoff to this i mean on his part the owner knowing yeah. taekwondo nothing we get nothing out oh of this. yeah there's not a ton of it the the only good part is the owner who, who has the club and gave uh, our dragon sound group the opportunity he fucking uses his skills to kick the ass of four people who come after him and he sort of like kicks them out of the club and they're pissed off. They're going to look for revenge. And who are they going to look for for that revenge? Well, we're going to see that a little bit later yeah. on. They go to Jeff because Jeff apparently is the, just the conduit to all sort of crime in Central Florida. Speaking of which, it appears we've got another drug deal on the horizon as Jeff makes a call to confirm some details and then meets with the white ninja boss from earlier. How is your sister? I'm really concerned about her. She's still hanging around with the damn band Dragon Sound. And the ninja master says he'll take care of it. But as we see in the next couple of scenes, Dragon Sound is just blissfully unaware of all of this. Yeah, they have no idea. They're they're busy going to school at the University of Central Florida. Go Knights! <laughs> um, apparently, Jane is like a future like computer programmer. She's going to work for Apple later. But She's on the ground floor of yeah. computers. Oh my point. God, yeah. They were like seriously floppy disk computers at this time. As oh, they were 100%, like, yeah. They were doing like just silly programming, but they were fourth in the country in the computer programming awards. They were very proud of themselves. What? Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, the professor oh, yeah, really. says it and draws okay. it on the board. There's just like... This weird scene where they spend too much time in it. Uh, John. They also get some food. They also get pizza at one point. Well, John convinces her to leave class to go and like maybe go to a beach with him. We're getting there soon. He like pulls her out of class so they can walk along together. But when he pulls her out of class and they're walking through the campus, who comes and confronts them? Well, Jeff. Jeff, again, is not happy with any of this. Oh, he's pissed. We get more classic Jeff acting. Oh, God. And uh, shortly thereafter, we get another dazzling performance from Dragon Sound. And after that, they leave the club and head out on the town. But not only are they being followed by the old house band, they also get boxed in by four other cars worth of goons. So it is fighting time. What we learn quickly is that Dragon Sound ain't nothing to fuck with. (laughs) (laughs) These guys know what they're doing. Yeah, so there is five or six cars full of Florida thugs ready to kick their ass. But uh, you know what? They're not going to take any of it. Mark, our main man, right? He flies out of the car and starts kicking people in the face. 
Also, our big tall guy, John, is an ass kicker. He, he is. is putting people down, Those too. two do most of the damage. Mark, by the way, is YK Kim, screenwriter slash casting director slash driving force behind this movie. Yeah. Again, the combat is a, a little bit slower than you would expect in a martial arts film, but knowing well, the, the budget. The constant and, presence of slow motion also yeah. slows it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's weird. The timing is funny. It's. I thought it was interesting because there was a bit of a pattern in the fights. They would, like, kick a couple people in the face. They would run away to a slightly more isolated place, and then they would fight one-on-one against the other guys every single time. So, But they would also hide around a corner when they got close, more face kicks. That was, yeah. The, oh, yeah. that was their move. Yeah, they clown these dudes. And uh, what we learn in the next scene, as you mentioned, not only are all of these guys good at Taekwondo, they're all apparently orphans, except maybe not Jim. He's the black guy in the uh, in the band, and he at least has a photo and some backstory about his parents, which he delivers in an absurdly dramatic monologue. My mother was Korean, and my father was black American. They say that they loved each other and they were real loyal. But then when he finished military duty, he left, and we never saw him again. So his father and mother met in Korea. She's Korean. During the war. His father is what he refers to as a black American. Yeah. And I guess his mom dies after his father has to go home from the war. And he tries when he's here to contact his dad, but can't get a hold of him. And he's sad because... Oh, uh, he is, he's very sad for the, the record. Tears he says all of this just oh bawling to the camera for like five straight minutes. And it's not good. It's not no, good. No, his acting's awful. Um... Even worse is the other members of the band trying to stand in the background <laughs> and not, not react to him, like, bawling his eyes out. As They're frozen. They're just oh. frozen. The one guy staring straight ahead. There's no reaction there. Now, I will say, though, uh, Jim recovers quickly from all of this drama in our next scene as the band cruises the beach and ogles the ladies. All while, <laughs> all while their yeah. own song about being friends forever plays in the background. And once they park the car, we get some slapstick comedy. Yeah, the lead singer, or sorry, the sort of like Italian member of the band who sings and plays lead guitar, he tries to get a random woman to kiss him uh, without like any pretense. He just says, kiss me, baby. And of course she turns him down. <laughs> but by turning turn him down, down, she shoves him into a group of sunbathing women. Yeah, he lands on top of another lady. And then he lays on her chest and like <laughs> makes some inappropriate comments to her. And then a group of like four or five other ladies slap him as the other band member has to drag him away. But they're also throwing like bricks at him or something? What were they throwing at him? Where did uh, they get these things? They were shoes, I thought. I thought they were throwing uh, their I shoes at him. Maybe. But, but there's all of this going on. At the same time, Jane and John are very tall gentlemen are like on a beach chair in the water yeah they get a little romance here they're well, making out a little bit who puts a beach chair inside the water i agree it's an odd cho- it's an odd choice they, i've never seen it but they do it they do it they show him hanging f- her like no. at the beach <laughs> he does not do that <laughs> necessarily does. yeah we don't they, know. they allude to it they we definitely happens so part of <laughs> the, her knees were satisfied <laughs> Part of Jane's needs were satisfied at this point. Well, either way, these calm times signal a coming storm. As in the next scene, the old house band walks into some sort of training facility for the biker gang where they ask Jeff to help them take out Dragon Sound and get their job back. Now, speaking of Dragon Sound and training, we get a weird slow motion sparring session between YK Kim and a couple of the other sounders. This whole sequence is just a YK Kim 
off session. <laughs> That's all this is. No, absolutely. They have one of the guys come at him and do some kicks and punches, and YK Kim resoundly kicks his ass, and then they give Tall John a fucking knife, and they're like, Try to okay, stab me, Tall John. Try but to stab I believe, me. I believe this is like one of those Halloween toy knives where when you press in, it like slides into the handle because we see YK Kim, like John lunges at him. YK Kim turns the knife around and seemingly shoves it into John's belly and no damage. So I think that's a, like a plastic knife. The blade slides into the handle. It's to practice knife attacks. Either way, if it was possible for a combat sport sparring session to embody the spirit of friendship, this would be it. The general oh, tone is oh so it's yes. just so friendly. It's so happy and so friendly. And after this, we kind of cut to the band talking about what they want to do in their future. And their one buddy is kind of like a little worried about continuing to play at the club because he's worried about Jeff and his damn friends and their cocaine. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, they're unwinding with a Pepsi. And this guy literally says, He's in there every night. This damn gang selling the stupid cocaine. <laughs> it was the way the line was delivered was so innocent and ridiculous i like i was laughing so hard and this guy then comes up with the idea to tour the world yeah and visit all of the taekwondo dojos and bring their in their homelands messages. though yeah he wants well, to go yeah. to their the homelands of yeah. each one of these orphans we get a restaurant scene here now as some young punks try to run out in their bill so the restaurant owner, who of course also knows Taekwondo, beats the shit out of them. Dragon Sound rolls up at this point, and they bond with the owner over all things Taekwondo. Was it a pizza shop? No, I think it was a Korean place. If it had been pizza place, they could have had some sweet dough puns. <laughs> uh, I thought yeah. it was going to be more significant, like this guy was going to come rescue them. There's a lot of scenes like that where it just leads to nothing. Yeah, I didn't understand why they included this. And I mean, the answer can always be it was 80 minutes long. That's exactly right. Yeah, I smell some padding. But when the band leaves this restaurant, they find a note in their car telling them there's trouble coming from Jeff. <laughs> Ooh, Jeff is not okay with what's happening here. He doesn't like that the other band's been beat up so badly. And he doesn't like his sister messing around with such an honorable crew. Well, but Jane doesn't like her brother fucking meddling in her affairs, so she confronts him, and he once again tells her to stay away from John slash Dragon Sound in a scene that confirms that bad acting runs in their family. Oh, I think this is the worst acting scene in the entire movie. They're both bad. Yeah. And I like Jane, but I do not like her in this scene. This is just a horribly performed section of the movie. It was so bad seeing this older brother who's taken care of his sister since she was a little girl. Since both their parents are fucking dead. Wait, is she an orphan also? Yes, yes, she's an orphan too. Oh, she doesn't live in the orphan house, so I couldn't figure it out. No, I know, but it was brutal. I was really upset with the acting at this point. Were you upset with the next fight scene? No, because the sound effects of this scene were fucking phenomenal. You know what? Dragon Sound shows up at what looks like an abandoned loading dock where Jeff and the old house band and a bunch of goons are waiting. And this is the scene that confirmed it for me. The sound effects in this movie are absolutely incredible. The kicks, the punches, the guy who gets his face smashed into a train wheel is crisp as hell. <laughs> they really were on point with those sound effects. The first two visual effects we saw, the blood spurting from those other ones, were a little bit meh for me. But right here, this fight in this train yard is 
fucking popping off. <laughs> I'm really enjoying myself. Jeff and his goons have set up a trap, yet somehow Dragon Sound keeps kicking their ass. Oh my god, yes. Despite being dramatically outnumbered, Dragon Sound makes short work of these fools. And when the cops show up, everyone has to scatter. And I love, love that when they get out of the car, the cops literally say, Where did everybody go? I don't know. Looks like another gang. Uh, we need to get these gangs out of Central Florida anyway. That's true. Let's get out of here. Just first-rate police work there, guys. <laughs> the only actors who are worse than the Jays are these cops. The guys who play these cops are the worst actors in the entire movie. And then after it goes to the Jays and Jeff being the top of the J pile, the guy is a sack of shit, whoever that is. <laughs> I agree, man. We get a little motorcycle montage now as the Ninja Master and the bikers cruise around Central Florida to a song that is honestly actually called Tough Guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It really is. Fuck I'm serious. You. No, I'm serious. Anyway, they stop at a biker bar to crush beers and check out some bubes. One guy even sticks a nail up his nose. These are Florida men through and through. <laughs> yeah, they go perfectly with our fucking beer. These are the superheroes we talk about when we're talking about Florida men. These bikers are quite an interesting group. It's interesting to me because the head of the people who are riding is the head of the ninja group that we saw at the start. He's the white ninja, yeah. He's the white ninja. He's in there with the crowd. They're showing a bunch of local bikers at a bar and a bunch of women who hang around the bikers. There's a strange random nudity. We see breasts. We see an ass. It's the only nudity in the movie because we know dragon sound is pretty. PG. Yeah, I agree. These bikers are willing to push edges a little bit. Jeff shows up, and he's wearing, like, the most ridiculous hat ever. Yeah, he's wearing, like, a Colorado school something. It's really <laughs> fucking strange. I don't understand. So Jeff shows up to talk to our white ninja friend and tell them once again uh, how much of a problem Dragon Sound is. Oh, they're a problem, but we get a look at their home base now. YK Kim apparently uses one of those blankets they put in the bottom of U-Haul trucks as a sheet. <laughs> <laughs> and after a, after a peaceful oh. night's sleep, the team fuels up with some fruit and milk because they train healthy, see? I mean, when you're a group of orphans, it's not like you have a lot of choice in the kind of sheets you're going to get to <laughs> use. Yeah. When your whole profession is teaching Taekwondo to each other and then playing the occasional Central Florida bar concert, you're probably hurting for a bit of money. Oh, I, <laughs> I believe it. After some brief conversation, they're off to class. Again, at the University of Central Florida, go Knights. I guess YK Kim is a mature student since he's like fucking 40. <laughs> <laughs> he wore a lot of makeup in this movie to try and make him look younger. It almost made his face look clay-ish. Oh, yeah. Now, this whole them on campus sequence, complete padding. Like, they just walk through campus, they high-five some people, they get in a car and that's it? Like, come on. I mean, I guess the high five was to show that they're now gaining some traction in Central Florida. Hey, Dragon Sound! <laughs> Dragon Sound is now recognized on campus. It was hilarious that they each wore the same, like, UCF shirt. No, they were different UCF shirts, but they all had a UCF shirt. Uh, I thought it was funny. Wait, you're saying you don't wear the shirt on campus? It's like how you're not supposed to wear the band shirt to the concert? Is that the deal? <laughs> no, you absolutely don't. You own one, and you wear it when you're not on campus, but you absolutely don't wear it on campus. Okay, well, things pick up in a second when the guys stop to get some food, and some of Jeff's goons grab the Freddie Mercury-looking guy from earlier. They bind him up and stash him in a shitty basement, and later they use him as bait to lure Dragon Sound out for another fight. 
Yeah, I mean, Jeff's group is kind of desperate now, right? They know they can't fight our main character here. Mark is too strong for them, and even John has shown he's a bit of an ass-kicker. So they take the mustachioed Italian guy, and they just kidnap him. I love the tense synth music that plays as they stealth their way in here. And for the record, Dragon Sound, not pulling punches anymore. Many of their takedowns result in fatality, often with hilarious visual effects. <laughs> oh god, yes. Dragon Sound will not stand for hostage taking. They're holding nothing back here. One of the guys gets hit in the neck with a stick and it's like cracks him open and blood squirts out of his neck. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, I like that. He's got the fucking gore on the side. Yeah, man. Oh yeah. So they're no longer going to be allowing anyone who's in their way to live. And so it's all of Jeff's goons against them and Jeff's just sitting there like a fucking enjoying the show from a lawn chair? Well, at first he is, but as Dragon Sound makes their way through the abandoned factory or whatever, Jeff himself springs into action. He quickly takes out Jim, the guy who may or may not have parents, and then we get a one-on-one -on -one showdown with him and YK Kim that results in... <laughs> <laughs> it results in Jeff hilariously falling to his death. <laughs> the sound he makes as he drops is fucking incredible. Oh, they kind of fight their way up the scaffold to where a member of the band is tied up and they're fighting on the platform where he is. They do this weird shot where they show the floor of the platform before Jeff falls to his doom. He falls to the ground and it cracks open his skull. You see blood ooze out. It actually looked okay. Some of the blood effects and death are actually... No, hang, hang on, hang on. It looked okay, but the sound he made when he fell, it was like the fucking Anakin Skywalker. No! <laughs> it was really bad, man. <laughs> I agree with that. I, I meant the shot at the end when he was dead. And when he's laying there? Yeah, yeah, but you're right. There's so much bullshit here. They must have taken out like 30 people before getting to Jeff, and now Jeff's gone. So everything's good, right? Oh, yeah, Jeff and his gang are done, so, but there is another party out there who isn't done with Dragon Sound just yet, and as their leader makes clear, We must avenge Jeff's death. They will not escape the Miami Ninja! And then we get a short hype video of the ninjas training, dancing, and rolling in slow motion. Yeah, this is a group we saw at the start take out all of those mobsters in that drug deal, and they were pretty effective at that, but... I'm not so sure how they're going to do against Dragon Sound team who have some pretty strong Taekwondo abilities. Oh, they sure do. Now, speaking of the Dragon Sound team, remember that one guy, Jim, who may or may not have parents? Well, it turns out that he does. He gets a letter and a photo in the mail that confirms that his father is alive and well. The rest of the Dragon Sound guys are thrilled for him. They even lift him up on their shoulders in slow motion. And if a lifetime of watching movies has taught me anything, it's that this dude is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i called this immediately i was like oh fuck jim's in trouble oh, he's in a lot of trouble yeah as soon as a good thing starts happening we know the ninjas are coming and someone's gonna take him down this is sort of the easiest way to set up a level of conflict into this film oh yeah they're giving him sympathy oh we're so happy for him they're know? all pulling their money so he can buy a nice suit and see his dad and so that's what we do we get a funny set of scenes where they're dressing up and fancy and they're ready to go so we got John, our big, tall man. We've got Mark, who is the writer and does everything in this film. <laughs> and then we've got our man Jim, who's got a new suit, and he's going to meet his dad. Yeah, but suddenly ninjas on motorcycles attack the car, and wouldn't you know it, one of them slices Jim right through the new suit and chest. So we've got a double trope here. Not only was he basically two days away from retirement from a being an orphan perspective, but he's also <laughs> the only black guy in the movie. So, of course, he's the first guy to die. 80s racism. <laughs> oh, man. When the ninjas appear in front of him, our main character just goes, Ugh, ninjas. 
Like it's not so casual, right? Like it's ridiculously casual. Like these are clearly the most deadly people in the film and you're like shrugging it off. But you're right. Our character who we know is going to take it takes a katana right across the chest. He looks dead as fuck. Oh, yeah. He's lying in the Florida ditch right now, covered in water and blood. And Mark, the main strong ninja, is like yelling about his death while John, our tall ninja, is fucking taking everyone on. Oh, my God. This sets John off and he just starts slaughtering ninjas. And I have to say, there are, of course, many hilarious instances of laughable facial expressions in gratuitous slow motion. But there's also a couple of pretty good shots here. One where he hits a guy and then his blood spurts out into the water. This is just a really enjoyable sequence overall. This section is amazing. John kind of gets slashed in the back in one of the battles and tears off all his clothes. He's like Rambo. He's like Rambo out there. Yeah, and then he's just running around with this giant katana slashing the shit out of these ninjas, and it's fantastic. I agree. Now, there's only one guy left. Well, there were two, but hilariously, the ninja master cuts the head off of one of his guys who came to tell him that everyone else is dead. Like, don't shoot the messenger, dude. Come on. Failure, man. He already told them that he would not accept any failure, and having them all die was failure. That's true. But now we get a huge one-on-one fight between the White Ninja Master and YK Cam. And I don't know about you, but in this scenario, I almost always bet on the screenwriter. <laughs> you mean you weren't worried for dragon sound here? No, not so much. Not in this case. I don't know. Honesty, loyalty, friendship, it lasts forever. <laughs> it does. And sure enough, after some ridiculous back and forth, YK Kim seemingly has the Ninja Master beat and goes to walk away. But the Ninja Master pulls a knife from his boot and rises to attack YK Kim from behind. Luckily, though, he practiced this very thing in that slow motion training sequence earlier, and he's able to turn the knife against the Ninja Master to finish him off. So the main fight is over, and we get a freeze frame that I hope will end the movie. But hang on. It turns out that Jim is somehow still alive. <laughs> There's a couple of things that I want to go back to. One, in the fight between the white ninja and our main character here, we have this hilarious moment where the entire fight, our main character is kicking the white ninja's ass, and all of a sudden they somehow flip it for no reason, and our main character is getting choked by the white ninja. It might be the most unbelievable sequence in a fight in the entire movie. <laughs> the face when he's getting choked, YK Kim looks just so hilarious as he pretends to be choked <laughs> here. But yeah. he does dispatch him, and then we think we're getting a freeze frame, but we end up where? Uh, it's the Orlando General Hospital, where we get a shot of three dragon sounders in the waiting room, along with Jim's dad, who is clearly a young guy who they've tried to age by giving him a gray mustache and gray hair. This is atrocious, and you and I both almost died laughing when this happened. I needed a change of pants after we watched this scene. <laughs> I couldn't believe they chose like a younger man. He's like 24. He is way younger than YK Kim. Even than the guy who's supposed to be his son. <laughs> All they've done is color his hair and mustache gray with a little bit of chalk or whatever. And he tries to deliver some wise old man lines. Oh my God. I've said like three or four different times in this that... It's the worst act in the movie, but this might be the worst performance <laughs> section yet. Yeah, they just keep finding a lower bottom. Uh, it turns out that Jim is incredibly lucky. Despite getting basically cut in half by a katana, none of his major organs were damaged, and the doctors were able to patch him up. 
So much so that they're able to wheel him out right then to meet his father, who, as you mentioned, delivers what would be some heartfelt words about not losing him for a second time if only this guy had even the tiniest bit of acting talent. He has no acting talent. None. Like, compared to the others, you'd think they'd be able to find someone who could deliver some lines and performance, but clearly that's not the case here. I'm blown away that they bring him out here. They wheel him out after, like, his stomach healing. There's no way you bend that fucking guy. (laughs) He'd be laying in a bed for, like, three, four, five weeks maybe to heal that shit. Oh, at least. They wheel him out, like, only three members of the band. Where is everyone else? Yeah, I wonder that, too. Like, what better stuff did they have to do? Jane isn't there. No, it's just three of them and that random dad there who is clearly not his dad. It's all super frustrating. But they're all out. Where are they pushing to now that this has happened? Well, again, I thought we got a freeze frame for the ending. Not true, but the movie's basically over at this point. Jim and his dad are reunited. The band has emerged stronger than ever. And just to put a button on this, when they wheel Jim out of the hospital, we do end things with a freeze frame (laughs) that I was hoping for. But wait, just to hammer home Dragon Sound's message of peace and friendship, (laughs) we get an insert... (laughs) Telling us that only through the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace. This from YK Cam, a guy who just spent the last 20 minutes brutally murdering bikers and ninjas. Yeah. He kills so many dudes. He kills everyone. Apparently, it's okay to use your taekwondo to kill bad guys. This message is so antithetical to everything we've just seen. It's so good. It is amazing. (laughs) And that's it, man. We're in the credits. I don't even know. Like, just wow. Just wow. Wow is a wonderful way to state this because there's not much else you can say about the movie we just watched. No, this is what happens when people who want to be movie stars find someone willing to finance their movie. I wonder that a lot in this movie, who did they convince to give them the money to get this made? Because despite this clearly having a low budget, there's a lot of people involved in this production. It is decent sound effects. It achieves a lot of the things it was trying to achieve. Like, how did it come to pass? Who funded this? I think it was another Asian guy. (laughs) No, I'm serious. I think he found someone who was like, you know. Someone who was into martial arts and was hoping that this kind of, like, feed off of other successful martial arts films at the time. Yeah, you maybe saw an audience for this and you was like, let's fucking do it. I mean, whoever funded it, I want to give them full kudos. Like, props to you, because, like, we talk a lot about some of the movies we've watched on here are things we probably wouldn't see today. And I'm not sure we'd see this, and I'm really happy that we did. Oh, they would never make this. This is just a quintessential 80s movie, like the kind of movie you could only get in the 80s, maybe the 70s. But, like, that era is gone. We would never see this now. Oh, God, no. No, I agree. Just a stunning array of low-budget effects and even lower-budget actors. It's incredible. Good for all the people who are in this. That's all I have to say. Yeah, and good for Vinegarson over putting this out in a format we can all enjoy. Because goddamn, what a moment in time this was. Yeah, good for the band that helped make this happen too. <laughs> Dragon Sound? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, there was a band what? like Hoyt Rich Band or something performed all the songs for Dragon Sound. They clearly couldn't perform any of their own music in this. <laughs> and I was happy to see those wonderful 1980s tunes come out. I have to ask, is this like a made-up band of just studio musicians they threw in and created a band name for, like in Streets of Fire, or is this a real band, you know? I don't know. I just saw the name in the credits. I assume this is probably some kind of band who wasn't super successful, but they were like, hey, can you make some songs for us? And they went for it. Good for them for helping making this happen. Yeah, so speaking of the credits, let's recap quickly. 
Screenplay by YK Kim, starring YK Kim, casting YK Kim. And apparently he also directed some of the reshoots. And I say again, what a labor of love this is. YK Kim's DNA is all over this thing. <laughs> Good for him. We didn't see a lot of DNA exchanged in this thing. Maybe that's something that YK Kim wasn't comfortable with. Um, but I, I like that it was a one-person vision and kind of came to fruition. We've kind of talked about this with other movies we've seen. And I want to see more of this. He's the Asian Rudy Ray Moore. No, 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 that's wrong. <laughs> he's the Floridian Rudy Maymore. Oh, oh, yeah, he's a Florida man. Like this terrible beer we're drinking. Ooh, uh-oh. You've already <laughs> given some hints here. All right, well, it is time. We need to get into our ratings right now. The way we always do this, we are the movie on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. 1 to 10 for how bad it is. 1 to 10 for how enjoyable. And the goal is to find movies that are a 10 out of 10 on both scales, or what we call the... Crit 20. <laughs> and this is very much in play for me because this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. God bless YK Kim for whatever his vision was, but with his limited acting ability and also like, how do I put this? He is not great at speaking English. Like it's very stilted, his dialogue in this. I don't know, man. Like he was bad. The other actors were terrible. This being an in-house Florida production, like God damn, the actors are atrocious. The production value is really bad, and some of the effects are just laughable. Like, in my opinion, this is a straight B movie, if not C movie. 10 out of 10 bad. What do you think about this? You're a very, very harsh critic, and that's all I'm going to say. You don't have this as 10 bad? <laughs> I absolutely have this as 10 oh bad. Oh, my God. I was going to say, like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, it's 100% a 10 bad. There's no way I can disagree with that. It's interesting, right? Because you see something like this and you think about the movie that's been created. I want to know what inspired YK Kim to make this. Oh, I can tell you. He liked martial arts, was a Taekwondo master, apparently had a few, like, uh, I don't know if they're called dojos in Taekwondo, but he had a few schools in Florida, and he wanted to be in movies. He found some dude that was willing to put him in a movie, and so he did it. But I want to know what movies he looked at when he wrote this. I understand he wanted to be a movie star. I just don't understand which things were like... Cultural touchstones for him? Yeah. yeah. Like, what were the movies I wanted to guide my movie off of? Because when did this come out? In the early 80s? Uh, 1987. So there's got to be some other like wonderful martial arts hits coming out before this, right? And that's kind of his guiding light? I don't know. I mean, the martial arts movies coming out in the U.S., like Bruce Lee was obviously a huge driving force that, but a lot of those were like late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, that's what I thought. But what's coming out at this sort of time when he got into this? I mean, Karate Kid would have been vaguely, like, there was still interest in martial arts, I guess. Okay, so it's interesting to see this come out. It's definitely a 10 bad. The acting has to be reason number one, maybe side by side with the plot. Jeff is so fucking bad. This movie has some of the worst actors we've ever seen on the podcast. It's crazy to still be hearing that. Like, we're like two and a half seasons into our podcast here. We've seen some really bad actors. For us to still be finding new bottoms. Jeff might be the bottom. He is <laughs> absolutely atrocious, and he has so many lines. Like I, I don't even know how to talk about it. It's clearly a 10 bad. Okay, well, well then the question now becomes, how enjoyable did you find this movie? So, this movie is fucking hilarious. Yeah. I laughed harder than I have laughed in a long time watching this. In a bad way or a good way? Oh, great. Absolutely great. Yeah. Part of what made it so laughable was, like, the special effects. 
effects? <laughs> Some really bad visual effects, man. The visual effects were it's awful. Really yeah. The sound effects were on point, yet hilarious. Like, whoever did the sound and the synth and the music in it actually did quite a good job. I thought they were enjoyable. The songs they made for the movie were fun and quite enjoyable, too. Fit right in with the 80s, 100%. They absolutely fit in with the time. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job with that. The story is bonkers. Like, I don't understand (laughs) why there's a band who is playing in Central Florida location and they're all going to the University of Central Florida. And they're all orphans. They all know Taekwondo. (laughs) (laughs) They all know Taekwondo. (laughs) (laughs) And they're taking on the bikers and ninjas of Florida. The fucking Florida ninjas. (laughs) (laughs) The Florida ninjas. Yeah. I don't even understand it yet. They do, and it's amazing and hilarious. And I, it didn't make sense, but it was really fun. I'm giving it a 10. What? Hey, now. It's another <laughs> crit, crit, 20. Two weeks in a row? Jesus. Yeah, I just found this incredibly fun. What about yourself? So, okay. This is going to maybe a little bit controversial. But as you know, I just fucking love the 80s. I love 80s music. I love the synth. I love the fucking neon colors, all that shit. And this movie had all of that. And it had that ridiculous action that you've described. And I enjoyed this movie like so, so much. Except there were some scenes that I could tell were clearly padding. Oh, and no. There were, well, hold on. There were some times where I was kind of like, that scene didn't need to be there. And it kind of like took me out of it for a second, for, for a little bit. And so I had this as a 9 out of 10 for how enjoyable. Except, as you know. You have to add the one. This movie ends with a freeze frame. <laughs> And so, therefore, by my own personal rule, I will bump up the enjoyment of the freeze frame ending by one. So I had it as a nine, but with the freeze frame, I am also giving this a 10 out of 10 enjoyable. It's a second crit, crit 20. 20, 20. This was a great time, and wow. I really enjoyed this. The and Miami I'm so connection, happy. The Miami connection. Which and has, again, like, this movie has nothing to do with Miami. It's all taking place in Central Florida. <laughs> We're in Miami. It for is a just minute. this insane, like, kind of straight edge yeah. rock band who does Taekwondo, who fights the mob or the like, the ninjas yeah. or the bikers, and all of the above. It's it's hilarious as fuck. And can we just say again, Vinegar Syndrome? This was one of their Black Friday. They released yes. this. Uh, I don't know if it was the first time, or they released it again. Brand new release, 4K UHD, fucking Blu-ray. I could not pre-order this fast enough. And here we are. We've got our 10 out of 10 on both scales from both of us. Oh, my goodness. Double Crit 20, Vinegar Syndrome, Miami Connection, YK Cam. We fucking did it. How did you feel about this beer? So I think that I've really liked what Cigar City has done in terms of just fucking balls-to-the-wall hops. They did not give a fuck. Kind of like our, like... YK Kim. YK Kim here just (laughs) didn't give a fuck. They just went for it. It is extremely hoppy. I don't love double IPAs just because they get me so fucked up. Uh, (laughs) This one is actually reasonably smooth for a double IPA. It's not like... You don't have to choke it down or anything. It's reasonably smooth to drink, but it it is very strong, very hopped. This is not going to be your bag. I know that the comments coming for you aren't going to be great, but I want a lot more Cigar City brewing beers, and I would drink this again, but in moderation. because so you're, you're going to Florida is what you're saying. My father-in-law has a space down there, so I get to go down there for reasonably... He married rich, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I visit Florida quite a lot, and next time I go down, I'm going to try to uh, see if I can get to Cigar City because I'd really like to visit them. Well, as you mentioned, their beers are available in a lot of states. I picked these up in Pennsylvania, and uh, this might surprise you a little. 
I was not a huge fan of this beer. It is extremely hoppy, as it mentions on the can. And as you know, I'm not a hop guy, but it was very smooth. Compared to other double IPAs I've had to drink because of this podcast and my friendship with you, uh, this, was, <laughs> this was a lot easier to swallow, literally, than other ones I've had. So as much as I am not a hop guy, and they have loaded this with hops, ladies and gentlemen, it was a lot easier to drink than I was expecting. Uh, thank God, because I drank about fucking three of them fucking shit face in this episode uh, but <laughs> yeah it seems like they know what they're doing cigar city brewing you get a thumbs up from me not my style of beer but uh i've had a lot worse so there's that yeah um i'm gonna look for more cigar city i did go on their website and it said they were in like 12 other countries so maybe look at uh your sort of places you get booze and see if you can get any from cigar city because i'm looking forward to some more what do we got coming up next week well, as you know, it's December. Next week is our holiday episode. We're going to take a break from the Silent Night, Deathly Night franchise that has dominated our last two Christmas episodes. And instead, we're sticking with horror. We're going to be watching Black Christmas, the original, not the shitty remake. Ooh, I have heard of this. I haven't seen it. It is an absolute classic of the horror slash slasher genre. So get excited for that. Uh, until then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to send us suggestions for beer and or movies, we are always looking for that as well. We love requests. And also feel free to send us an email, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We love hearing from all of you. We've had a couple of requests so far this season. We're going to have a couple more coming up later. But please send us more ideas. We love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Friends forever, loyalty and honesty. Survival is the ultimate test.